In February of this year, Google fired a lead researcher of its ethical AI team, Margaret Mitchell. The move came just months after firing another ethical AI team member, Timney Gebru. The researchers had raised concerns about one of Google's AI technologies. And their firing caused mass backlash from the AI community. The well-respected Google researcher said she was fired by the company after criticizing its approach to minority hiring and the biases built into today's artificial intelligence systems. The reason for letting her go is not clear, but Google says that she violated the terms and conditions of her employment. Now, Google has... The world's largest company, the one that controls the most of the information flow in the world, that monitors the most emails through Gmail, and that designs the most sophisticated AIs ever has literally dismantled its own ethics. If they continue to treat people like me, raising issues on these products, either by uh, immediately terminating them or censoring their research with no discussion, I do not believe that they will be successful. Researchers, academics, Google employees, and the general public were forced to question the tech giant's own ethics. How could the researchers be fired for simply doing their job to critically examine machine learning technologies? What is the role of ethics researchers, conferences, and boards? Are they working? And have most technologies passed the ethical test? You're listening to Think Digital Futures, I'm Julia Karkatzel. You're probably familiar with auto-completion services in Gmail or Google Docs. That's the work of language models, tools which use machine learning, which is a process of using mass amounts of data to make predictions. Language models process millions of words and variations of sentences to predict which word or phrase comes next. The research paper that got Timney Gebru fired criticised one of Google's language models. Gebru raised concerns about racist, sexist or abusive language in training data, which, she says, if left unchecked, will result in the normalising of that language. My first reactions to news like that is that is asking the question, what should we be learning from this? This is Tiberio Catano, a chief scientist at the Gradient Institute. The nonprofit builds ethics, accountability and transparency into AI systems. I think it's definitely an episode we need to learn from. It's a reminder of the strength of the profit imperative. Google employees backed the fired researchers, rallying online. In a letter calling for change, employees said the firings mean that Google is willing to crack down hard on anyone who will perturb the company's quest for growth and profit. Unless there is legal protection or significant public pressure, the company has no much incentive to take action it believes will undermine its short-term financial position. Tiberio says ethical researchers can offer accountability by critically examining the benefits and risks of powerful AI systems. If a company has uh, the resources that it has, right, and it has a lot of power, it will continue to exercise those resources and that power to pursue profit. The question is whether it does have the internal 
personnel and culture to actually shape that in a healthy way. Of course, that's difficult to achieve when the company's key ethics researchers are given the boot. For some researchers, they generally believe that if they, for example, leave the company um, after having so much knowledge, after having so much positive intent on how to transform the company, what is the alternative to that? The person who will replace them, will them, will they have the same knowledge? Will they have the same ethical awareness of the issues that have occurred? Just a week after Google fired ethical AI lead Margaret Mitchell, an AI ethics research conference decided to cut ties with the tech giant. The ACM Conference for Fairness, Accountability and Transparency suspended its sponsorship relationship with Google. The sponsorship arrangement has led many to further question Google's influence in ethics research. Tiberio has attended and taught at ethics conferences, including ACM, and thinks there should be further oversight. There is a lot of valuable work that is conducted in these conferences that generally criticises and offers solid critique to the work that is done in uh, these corporations, but uh, that's not sufficient. It's just not good enough. Many ethical AI researchers like Gebru have been outspoken about AI research conferences heavily influenced by industry. There are fears big tech may have more power to control and direct discussion, shifting the types of questions asked. There needs to be a multi-stakeholder, multilateral critique from all segments of society. Policymakers have to up the game. Regulators to um, add advocates have to continue to speak up and in order to ensure that the pursuit of profit doesn't have as an unintended consequence the harming of people. Google's moves to fire key members of its ethics team is concerning, as is Big Tech's heavy influence in the research community. But Tiberio says the problem is so much bigger than simply regulating Big Tech. When we think about these algorithms uh, running wild, we think about big tech. There's good reason for that. Big tech is very powerful. The footprint is everywhere, you know, basically shaping the lives of billions of people. Just a few companies doing so. And with a lot of data and a lot of AI uh, running those systems. What we also have to remember is that today, almost every sufficiently big company is using some form of AI. Banks, insurance companies, telecommunication providers, media organizations, retailers, they all have data about you, right? And they can make predictions about what you will do in the future. Unfinished and problematic machine learning algorithms are currently used in hundreds of industries around the world. And not all are exclusively designed by big tech. Like when you apply for a bank loan, a machine learning algorithm helps the bank decide on who to grant loans to and who to deny. The algorithm is typically trained on large data sets of the bank's previous loan decisions. Because data reflects the past, and the past was unjust and unfair in many ways. 
If you tell an algorithm, well, look, here's the data, make a prediction about who should get this loan in this, for this application round. Um, the algorithm will likely believe that the people who should get the loan are people who look like people who in the past got loans. As we say, the algorithm will essentially confuse what has happened in the past with what should happen in the future. So if customers from minority groups were denied loans unfairly in the past, the AI will consider these groups' general repayment ability to be lower than it is. Young people, people of colour, single women or people with disabilities are some examples of groups who may be disadvantaged. It's a process called algorithmic bias. So algorithmic bias is this tendency that algorithms have to just perpetuate and amplify existing bias that we have in society. Algorithmic bias, whether in a language model or bank loaning decision, can have disastrous consequences. Tiberio says most of these algorithms, including those developed by big tech, need regulation. But perhaps the biggest challenge is creating an algorithm that is unbiased and fair in the first place. Because if you create a law saying that, you know, algorithmic bias, you know, you need to minimize algorithmic bias according to certain definition of fairness, you need to protect this group, you need to avoid discrimination against particular groups. So how do you actually implement that in practice? We are living now in a really new moment in history in which machines are making lots and lots of decisions on our behalf, but we don't have the right governance mechanisms to ensure that those decisions comply with our sense of what's right and what's wrong or comply with our social norms and align with, uh, with, with the law. One of the biggest challenges confronting AI researchers right now is the question of how to teach AI to be ethical. In other words, how do you translate ethical concepts into mathematical equations? So there is a big project, it's an ongoing project, of mapping up what these ethical concepts mean in the language of computers, in computer code. We need to quantify what we mean by good outcomes and bad outcomes. We need to quantify what we mean by fairness. We need to quantify what we mean by transparency. Because once you actually speak to an algorithm and tell the algorithm to be fair, you cannot use English or Portuguese or Latin, just natural language, it doesn't quite work. You actually need to speak mathematics. There's no other option. And the gap between mathematics and natural language is huge. Tiberio says we need a variety of interventions. New algorithms can be developed with regulatory frameworks in mind. And current algorithms can be changed accordingly. And in order to actually make that regulation real, to manifest that regulation in the system, you actually need technical expertise. You need to go into 
going to engage technical experts, uh, researchers, scientists, not-for-profits, uh, academics, and, and, and startups working in developing machine learning systems and in developing them in a, them in a natural way. A team of technical experts just like this are at the University of Technology, Sydney, led by Feng Cheng. I'm the executive director of data science for UTS. The team is working with recruitment company Rejig to improve its recruitment algorithm. Fung says, like language models or bank loan screening algorithms, recruitment algorithms can be biased in various ways. In recruitment, one of the typical one is gender balance, uh, particularly in STEM kind of an area. You know that we we short of women engineers, we short of uh, people uh, women love uh, mathematics. So in t- when we're looking at the gender balance, the first thing is you need to look at the, your training data representatives. If in your training data you, you have all men, no women, <laughs> representing in the selections, basically you already have a biased data set. And it's very hard to expect that your selection algorithms is going to pick the right balanced uh, candidates from the pool. The UTS team independently assessed Rejig's algorithm, taking into consideration key ethical criteria like gender bias as well as other criteria like privacy. A third-party regulator or auditor like the UTS team can help to pry open what Fung calls company's algorithmic black box. So the way to open up the black box, there are you can actually look into the bias of the data. You can even look into the uh, the bias, the algorithms introduced to based on the certain uh, data sets. Those ones is a is a part of a, a explanation and transparency process. You can list to see which factor you from the data contributed more to your outcome, how your decision has been made, uh, whether you can see through step by step of the decision making process. Those ones just uh, provide uh, transparency and provide confidence and trust. The basic process of machine learning is to present training data to a learning algorithm. The learning algorithm then generates a set of rules based on inferences from the data. Fung says the UTS team simply changed the training data of Rejig's recruitment algorithm. When you're training the system, you pick the samples to train. You pick, pick balanced sample to train. Even though in the real world, you probably have 100 male got a job and 30 female got a job. And, but in your training set, you can select 30 plus 30 as your training set to balance that so that uh, your algorithm is not a uh, starting point, is not uh, geared towards one gender. The Rejig recruitment tool has now been used by companies to increase their female staff. Fung says an independent third party or auditor type figure is necessary for every company using machine learning algorithms. The rapid development and largely unchecked integration of AI systems across sectors has led to the development of ethical frameworks by academic, industry and government parties. There are over 200 AI ethics frameworks globally. But while frameworks are necessary, 
Feng says they are meaningless without tools. I think we have been debating this ethical AI for long enough. It's time to take actions. Let people criticize. Say like, oh, you missed out some important question, or the you know it is more bias you need to identify. But it's the move the mentality into doing rather than debating. I think we debate enough. We know it's important. Tiberio says while AI systems are widespread across many industries, big tech still has a monopoly. He says regulation should facilitate the emergence of competition. Companies like Twitter and Facebook and Google—it's really an ecosystem of、um, companies that have a lot of power. But they also have a power of which information they present in front of you, and that particular power is capable of shifting、um, the direction of、uh, democracy. It's, it's able to shift elections. You know, it's able to. Create a lot of harm that has already been well documented. So we don't have regulations now at the moment that allow us to essentially transform these platforms into enablers of new markets. And this could be done. In fact, in the U.S., some people are already trying to push in this direction. We should do the same in Australia. We should、um, try to reduce the monopoly power on. Ranking information, on labeling information, on choosing which information turns up in front of you. Tiberio says the public needs to be involved in the process. The people who are actually essentially the target of those systems, the clients of a bank, of an insurance company, or a telecommunications provider, they need to be part of this conversation. Yes, we need companies that are third parties. Independent parties that are assessing the systems for、uh, "quote unquote" algorithmic bias, but really, the important question is to understand who is winning by how much, who is losing by how much, with different configurations of the algorithms, and can we find a particular configuration that is defensible, publicly defensible, ethically defensible, and transparent? And this is the big challenge. We need to help help the machines to help us, and often we forget that the real job we have with technology is to help the lives of humans and other life forms in this planet. That's the goal. We cannot lose sight of that goal. Futures is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Think Digital Futures is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julia Carcatzel. Thanks for your company. <laughs>